It is in our nature to seek answers. Whatever questions we ask ourselves, we firmly believe that there is a cause and effect to what we are observing. We live safely in the belief that even if we do not understand it, someone else does or eventually will. Our entire civilization is built upon ideas and answers from the past, and we continue to add to and discard from this library of knowledge with each generation of humanity. Science, in a way, is our attempt to defy our limited control over the world around us. Yet what we know of how the world works isn't always the truth. An atom is indivisible, sweet smells can keep the plague away, and the shape of your skull can determine your intelligence and behavior. These ideas were once considered facts, yet have since been disproven. A consensus has been reached and reality, or at least our perception of it, has altered in turn. Magic, according to Alistair Crowley, is the exertion of will upon reality to alter it. Another way to phrase it is the adage, mind over matter. Yet if this was the case, if the world would conform to our ideas of how it should be, why then is the world not flat, vaccines still effective, and humanity still existing despite countless prophecies of its destruction? Put these two ideas against each other and you may think that Crowley's statement is wrong, or at least limited to what changes the laws of physics allow us to do. To most people, this is exactly how the world works, but to a mage, the laws of physics are merely constraints imposed upon them by a world too scared to embrace its true nature. To be awakened is to understand that the world is how it is because of will, and will alone. The consensus is merely the unconsciously agreed upon reality that the sleeping masses have embraced, collectively imposing their will upon it, and beyond their field of vision and understanding, magic can roam free and wild. A mage has the ability to impose their will upon this reality, to mold it into an image they desire, yet every time they do so they challenge the worldview of all those around them, they challenge the weave of cause and effect that humanity clings to, and if they are not careful, reality will adjust itself in the most straightforward way possible. To use an example, Changing water into ice is not a complicated process. In terms of physics, it's merely an altered state of the movement of component particles, achieved through exposing the elements to a certain degree of temperature. Simply put, freeze water and you have ice. Yet unless the mage can disguise the way they do this transformation, it will defy logical sense and impose what is called paradox upon them. Were they to create cubes of ice out of thin air, the consensus would consider this an impossibility. Yet if they were to do the same thing in secret, or even disguise it as some manner of carefully engineered process, our collective minds would more readily accept it. This is the duality of will. Up until less than a hundred years ago, the creation of gold out of lead was impossible. It was used as a symbol for the alchemists' endless pursuit of perfection. Yet today we know that it is possible through the use of nuclear transmutation. Was this the result of a mage's victory against the will of the masses, altering reality to suit their ideas? Or was this always a possibility, yet we did not know of it until now? Yes. These are not mutually exclusive truths, because reality is what we make of it. Everything is possible, and what is has always been, and what was is no more. 
to understand the world of Mage the Awakening, these are truths you must accept. There are more truths, some of them in conflict with what you just learned, but at its foundation, Mage is a game about changing the world with the power of your will. Simply put, magic. Mages cannot agree on anything. This is another truth. The creation of our universe, the existence of gods and demons, even the source of will, all are hotly contested topics. A scientist would say that we don't know. A mage might say that it's all true and false. Well, a particularly neutral-minded mage would at least. Most would claim that their idea is the right one. Long before the civilizations we considered the first were established, Atlantis, Mu and the like rose and fell, brought low by divine or human forces. Humanity was not always the masters of this world, and our history, the true history, is filled to the brim with tales of hubris, of ascension and inevitably downfall. Yet all through this time, awakened mages would rule, imposing their will upon others and the world itself. Magic was wild at the time, capable of amazing feats, and some believe that the stories of old gods are simply retellings of deeds done by these mages. Eventually, some of them would band together into fellowships, cabals of like-minded individuals who shared similar visions for how the world should be. Truth was in the hands of the winner, and countless battles were fought over these matters, either by word or by sword. Even groups whose ideas were superficially similar would still wage war upon one another for the minutiae, determined to dictate what was and wasn't real. Today, most of these cabals still exist in some form, the traditions and the technocratic union being some of them, with independent crafts existing outside of these two larger factions. The classical era, which spans from the earliest civilization we know of for certain, up until the fall of West Rome is the time span during which these events took place, and was also the origin of both the term mage as well as the idea that reality is malleable. Indeed, this very concept was the foundation for many of the wars fought as ambitious mages were determined to impose their own worldview upon others. In a sense, this war still continues to this day, although far less overtly. At this time, concepts like faith, magic and science began to diverge as well. Science, it would turn out, could be used by more than just a few awakened, and it quickly began to gain ground in popularity. Weapons, tools and architecture, all results of humanity imposing its will upon the physical world, reshaping it for their own purposes. In a sense then, science is simply another form of magic, albeit sometimes wieldable even by those who have not been awakened. This way of thinking would eventually see the rise of the Order of Reason, who would later become the Technocratic Union. Eventually the Order of Reason, which was officially founded in the 13th century, became so influential in shaping humanity's destiny that they began to affect reality to such a degree that magic, as it had been known, ceased functioning. Indeed, by influencing the belief of humanity so fundamentally, the Order essentially erased the possibility of magic from people's worldview. In a sense, they won the so-called Ascension War over reality. Yet, as we all know, reality is malleable, and it is the belief that it can still be changed that keep many mages fighting against the oppressive worldview of the technocracy, hoping to instill a sense of wonder into a populace who would rather believe they are victims to causality than that they are agents of free will. 
But what do they fight for? In a sense, it is both the state of things and the state of how things could be. Ascension is a term often thrown around, but no one can truly define what it means. It is the abstract pursuit of something greater than ourselves, something perfect and just, a utopia of the self where the flaws of reality have been peeled away. As you understand from what I have told you so far, not a single mage can agree over what that actually means. To be a mage, you need to have a will strong enough to break free from the mundanity of the world you live in. You must have the will to project your own ideals upon it, and this means that you must also reject the will of others. Thus the Ascension Wars. Like Prometheus who brought the fire to humanity, mages had the power to drastically alter the lives of those around them, and like any fire, it can both help and harm those who wield it. Anyone can become a mage, and it can happen at any point in your life. Certain events can trigger it, but each mage's awakening is unique, and so far no one has been able to replicate the effect. In essence, your awakening is when the world finally makes sense to you. It is an epiphany, a eureka moment where the last puzzle piece goes into place and you suddenly understand how it all fits together. Naturally, you do not become all-knowing, but it is as if your worldview was suddenly confirmed, as if that nagging suspicion at the back of your head was proven real. Some groups, like the technocracy, look for already exceptional individuals to tutor and expose to their teachings in the hope that this might trigger their enlightenment. To cast magic, a mage studies the spheres of magic. While by its very nature magic defies categorization, the human mind requires some form of structure, focus in order to make sense of it. Each mage has achieved a different level of enlightenment, sometimes called arete which dictates how capable they are at affecting the world around them. Oftentimes, it is not just experience, but also preconception that limits a mage in what effects they are capable of producing. Some examples of spheres are life, the study of organic transformation and growth, entropy, which governs fate and decay, and correspondence, which manipulates the ties and distance between material things. Some mages, like for example the Technocratic Union, who by the way would never refer to themselves as mages, nor that what they are doing is magic, have different names for these spheres, often using more scientifically inclined terminology. When a mage wants to apply their will upon reality, they must first determine what manner of change they want to invoke. It is often said that a mage trained as a chemist, physicist, or mathematician are lethal in the sense that their understanding of reality allows them to transmute and alter its building blocks in a way much more in tune with the consensus. There is some truth in this, as paradox, the effect of reality fighting back against your will, can be more compliant if you play by its rules more closely. This may seem counterproductive to the idea that will is everything, and if you feel that way, you are beginning to understand why the mages of the traditions are so violently opposed to the technocratic union. Yet there are more threats to mages than other mages. In the world of darkness there are forces at work that will gladly exploit, mislead, or outright kill any wielder of magic they can find. Some of these creatures are even naturally resistant to the effects of their magic, and many mages are shocked to encounter people capable of transforming into wolves or wielding magic-like powers without ever suffering the effects of paradox. 
Marauders are mages immune to paradox, driven to madness by the infinite probability of their powers, and they can cause untold damage to the world around them as the paradox instead turns upon their surroundings. They are tragic souls, but yet still a threat that needs to be dealt with. Even worse, however, are the Nefandi. These are mages who have succumbed to the influence of powers of entropy and evil. They have shed all humanity and compassion in order to serve demons and other evil forces of corruption. They have no desire to ascend, nor to see humanity do so, instead wishing to turn our reality into a reflection of the home from which their dark masters originate. The Nefandi infiltrate many factions of mages from within, working tirelessly to bring about the bleakest possible reality, and when faced with one of them, most any mage will gladly ally with another to bring them down, differing worldviews be damned. Ultimately, despite their near-infinite power, mages are defined by the paradox of their existence. For while the vampires wage their nightly wars of control and liberty, and werewolves rage against the corruption of the worm and their internal strife, a mage's greatest threat is that she is a candle in the dark. The stronger the flame, the faster she may burn out. Our work has pleased the antediluvian snow who has risen to oversee it. Long may he reign, this dark god. The Methuselah Her Satanic Majesty Dani, reborn through fire and ice, is likewise worthy of our devotion. We are truly blessed to serve such an illustrious master. The Council would also especially like to thank these Primogen for their contribution to its work. Maximilian S. Hardcastle, 06, Stonewolf 18, Jokerman, Cal Constantine, and Bambi Parsons. Your wisdom, experience, and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. Our elders Edward Reed, Dante the Canine, What's That Smells His Blood, Remy Van Roy, Gaslight88, and Aubrey Ayers shall receive our gratitude for their support and wise counsel. And we would also wish to send our thanks to the Ancillae Colin Gifford, Harry Wyckoff, Envihan, and Adam Daw for their support. Likewise, our stalwart neonates shall, as always, receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Reality is within your grasp. All you need is the courage to take it, and the strength to keep it.